Hello, beautiful beans, and welcome to today's episode. This episode is all about, it's kind of based around how to get into the mindset and the behavioral patterns to create this new life that you want to create. It's like the 2.0 version of yourself. What do you need to do in order to do that? Okay, because I'm sure all of us have been in a situation, I definitely have, I reckon most of the people that listen to this podcast can also agree that we've tried to change things several times. But then we find ourselves going, falling back into our old habits, falling back into our old ways, doing the same shit again and again. And not only going back into our old ways, but finding ourselves in the same situation again and again where we feel that we're the victim to the situation. Like, why did I find myself in this relationship or this kind of relationship Again, why am I finding myself in a job where I thought it'd be a change, but I'm feeling the same feelings again, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why do I always have these people in my life, these kind of friends, quote unquote friends? Why am I always in this repetitive loop where I feel like I'm trying to learn a lesson and I thought I've learned the lesson, but obviously maybe I haven't learned the lesson because these things keep happening to me. The reason why we don't change is because we are too tied to our old selves And we find it too hard to sever that tie. In order to create massive and lasting change in your life, there has to be like a kind of a death of the old self in in order for that new self to shine through. And I'm not saying every single area has to change in your life, not at all. But if you can't change your core beliefs around certain things about yourself, your abilities and your life and what you're capable of achieving and receiving, then nothing's going to really change. You can change all these superficial things. You can change, you know, your hair, get a get a really flashy car, change your job. You can do all of that. But if you're not changing what's going on deep down inside you and how you perceive things and your emotions around that, then all these superficial things are going to be just that, superficial. So I'm going to be breaking down in this episode why it is that we struggle so much to get rid of the old self in order to make lasting change, um, why we are so attached to it and what you can do to really sever the tie and step into this like 2.0 version of your life where things are actually going to change and change permanently. Okay, so it's an exciting episode, a lot of shit to kind of pack into it. I'm also going to talk a little bit about our addiction to stress, okay, or like the stress chemicals, cortisol, all of that. So that's kind of the brain facts are going to be kind of woven into this episode. So sit down, be focused, get a fucking pen and get in the zone because after listening to this episode, I really want you to feel like I am fucking ready for some massive change and I'm ready to get rid of the old so I can call in the new. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go through about five reasons why it is that we don't or why we struggle to let go of the old self or our old lives or our old behaviours Um, and thought patterns and then I'm going to go into things that you can do and kind of things that you should be focusing on and thinking about while you're trying to change things in your life okay now before I do go into that I just want to think you you might be sitting here thinking I've just gone through so much stuff in my life and I've gone through so much pain that I just can't let go of the old self like that's just part of who I am that's just part of me but often and there's so much evidence of this all around you can seek inspiration wherever you look, you know, the internet's a great fucking tool for that. But often it's the people that have gone through the biggest pain and the most adversity that are the ones that are able to really sever the ties to their old life. Often the the bigger the pain, the the more willing someone is 
to make that big change. And if you just listen to my last episode with Taylor, highly recommend you listen to that if you haven't already. She's a prime example of someone that's gone through so much pain and adversity to the extent where she tried to end her life several times and then she was able to really turn it around and she is a literally a different person to who she used to be because of her mindset and how she put things into practice and all of that, okay? So don't think that you're in a situation where too much has happened that you can't create change. You might be someone that's in a position where you're more willing to create change because of that, okay? There's, you're never too far gone to create change in your life. No matter where you are, you can transform and have a different life. Okay, so what are the reasons? What are the reasons for why we struggle? Number one, we don't want to. Easy as that. We don't want to. We say we want to. We say we want to have this new life. We say we want to behave this way. We say we want to be happy. We want to be more carefree. We want to respect ourselves more. We want this career. We want to be full of energy. We want to be driven. But we're too attached to certain things from our past. And sometimes the future seems a bit scary. While, while the, the idea of it's all well and good, the actual actions that you need to take to get there are very unknown. They're a little bit scary and your old life represents comfort and ease. So you don't want to really take that leap. You like the idea of it, but the, the steps to get there kind of freak you out a bit so you don't want to do it. That's, that's reason one. Reason two is you feel naked without certain things from your part, from your old life, you know. It's like you feel like you need a netting below to catch you um, before you take that leap into, into the next stage of your life. There are so many relationships where, and I'm not saying infidelity as, well, I mean, it could be infidelity. Depends how you look at infidelity. I mean, emotional, emotional cheating is a form of cheating, but there's many, many relationships where someone will not leave their partner until they have a sure thing with somebody else. Even if they haven't officially crossed a line, at least physically, they know like I've fallen in love with somebody else and I know that that person, if we were both single, would also want to be with me. Now I feel comfortable. Now I'm going to leave this relationship. That happens all the fucking time. I've seen it. I've heard about it. I've seen it in so many of, you know, my friends where someone's either done it to them or they've done it to their partner. You know, this happens all the time. It's this idea of like the monkey swinging from branch to branch. They don't let go of the other branch until they're holding on to the new branch, okay? People do that in relationships. People do that in jobs. People do that in so many things. And it's just, it's a security thing. It's a safety thing. It's I don't feel safe without this. I, part of my safety net is my job, my partner, my friends, even if I know it's not good for me. I would rather have something that's not good for me than be in this uh, kind of this open space with, you know, potentially nothing at all. Okay, so that's another reason. Number three, and this is a huge one. We feel obliged to stay in certain aspects of our old life and then this prevents us from fully entering the next phase of our life. For example, staying a certain way because your family or your community expects you to be like that. So you think, oh my God, I can't do this because I'm going to disappoint so many people. I can't um, drop this career or this degree because my the pressure that my, like my parents would never forgive me or my parents would be so disappointed in me or I can't leave my partner because I would just destroy their life if I leave my partner and I feel like I have to stay with them even though they're not good for me or I can't leave this group of friends because we've been friends from high school and, you know, what would they think of me if I just say, look, I, I'm, I'm going to start hanging around with you less or if I just, you know, like tap out of this friendship group altogether, what will people think of me? What will happen? So even if you don't want to be there, you feel stuck you feel tired, you either feel guilty or you feel responsible for other people's feelings around your own actions or what you do with your own life. So you stay. So it's this feeling of being torn. 
if you if you think that you are doing people a favor by living your life how they want you to live it you are not you are not doing anybody any favors by pretending to live a life that you want to live when you actually don't want to live it just so they can be proud of you or just so they can be quote unquote happy the reason you the same reason that you seek approval in your parents as to why you go and do this career or in your community as to why you go and do this career is the same reason why your parents expect that from you. It's all this external expectation and thinking, if I appease the people around me, then I will be happy. So you're doing that to try and please your parents. Your parents are putting the pressure on you to live a certain life to try and please their community, whether it's their friends or their family. It's all external bullshit, okay? So you could be living this life trying to please them, but they're only relieved at best being like, oh, thank God, my child's a great representation of me. They're not truly internally happy and they're never going to learn that unless – you know, you, you kind of cut the ties to that bullshit. And they could turn around and say, oh, my God, you broke my heart, you broke this, you broke that. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. If you break your parents' heart by quitting law or quitting being a doctor, they were never happy to start with. And they had this false sense of happiness which was attached to something that was completely not under control and something that was completely outside of them, which is another human being, which is you, okay? So if you think that you're making someone happy by living the life you're living, you're just keeping someone in a state of delusional, quote-unquote, happiness. But it's not actual happiness. So you don't have to feel guilty about that anymore. You can say, you know what, all I'm doing is pulling the plug on this delusion of yours. And the problem, as, as if that's not already a big enough problem, another problem with living your life trying to please other people and thinking that, you know, you can't cut the tie and branch into this 2.0 life that you want to live because you're going to hurt somebody. Another problem with that is if you live your life doing that, those people are then going to always be needing and expecting more and more and more from you to keep up this false sense of happiness. Because it's not a real happiness, they're always turning to you to make them happy. When in reality, they're the only ones that can make themselves happy. So now they're relying on you. Always, have you ever noticed that if you look at this, you can even say this in movies, but you probably can think of an example either personally or you've seen it in other you know, friends or family where the child that pleases the parent the most is the one that has most of the pressure on them. The parents who, the kind of parenting where they put pressure on the child to make them happy, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, you should be doing that. There's often one child that kind of rebels against that and says, fuck this shit, I'm going to break the shackles and like fuck that. And then there's another child that's like, I really want to please my parents, I want to make them happy, I'm working hard for them, I'm doing this. Who do the parents then put more pressure on? The, the child that's trying to make them happy, Right? They don't go to this one, and I say rebel, they're just living their lives, they're not actually rebelling, but they don't go to the quote-unquote rebel who's just saying, fuck this. They don't go to them because they have expectations of one and they have another child where they can't put expectations on, so they don't, okay? It's got nothing to do with loving one child more than the other. One child is in this infinite loop of frustration and never pleasing their parents because their parents keep expecting more and more and more because they're the good child and we expect this from you because you're good. We don't expect this from your sibling because, oh, they would never do it anyway, right? So you're setting yourself up for failure, you're setting yourself up for this life of never ultimately pleasing somebody because you can't. And then one more thing to think about in this point three of why you don't change is you can never be the best person to someone in a relationship if you are not the best person for yourself, okay? 
So you've got to ask yourself, if I'm going to live the life I want to live, let's say it's career-wise, how I want to dress, the way I want to carry myself, I want to make a full change, I want to have a full overhaul of my life, I'm ready for this fucking life that I've always wanted to live and I've always been too afraid. If you're ready for this and you think, I can't live that life because these people will be stuck in the past – then you've got to think why they're going to be stuck in the past. Is it because they're actually toxic and I should be getting rid of them? Because great, go ahead and then do that. But if you're worried that you're not going to be a good enough friend or, 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 or child to your parents or to you know, your, your friendship group or to your partner, it's the other way around. The more you do to serve yourself and make yourself happy, the more you can show up for the people around you. And it's, it's the way you show up for them doesn't have to be in living a life that they want you to live. You just show up by being happy and fulfilled and present and comfortable in your own skin. That's how you become a good friend, a good child, a good partner because you've shown up for yourself and so you're able to do that for other people, okay? Don't get stuck in this false loop that so many of us get stuck in. Now, number four, this one's a fucking big one. It's fucking big, so really listen. One, number four reason why we struggle so much to release our ties to our old self is because a lot of our pain and suffering makes up our identity. Now, you've got to think, what is my identity? Really think hard. And I want you to be ruthless when it comes to what you identify with as being you. And it's very hard to sever the ties to anything that is laced with so much emotion, good or bad, because we become reliant on that emotion and we become addicted to these emotional loops that we get ourselves into. And they become so ingrained in us and such a big part of our lives that when we suffer thinking about it, we weirdly want more of it, okay? Now, number five, I'm going to be talking about your actual addictions to these stress loops, But if you think that you don't know what I'm talking about, you do. Think about when you've ever gone through a breakup or a fight and you just want to repeat that story and talk about it again and again and again and again despite it bringing up painful memories or anxious feelings. This is your attachment to your story. Now, little disclaimer to that. I do think it's important that you have to talk about things. You have to get something off your chest in order to process it. But have you noticed that sometimes you'll be in a situation that's really beneficial for you to be present in the moment, it's, tr- it's lifting your mood, you're in a great state, you're around people that can help you through this really difficult time and then you're always thinking of ways like how can I turn this around, how can I turn this around to talk about this pain, to talk about this pain, to talk about this pain. There's a difference between processing pain when it's happening to you and choosing to stay in this loop of suffering where you're like, no, let's bring it back to this conversation. No, let's let's continue this. Let's keep talking about it, talking about it, talking about it on this endless loop. That's when it starts becoming really detrimental and not just detrimental, it starts forming your identity and you think, I am the person that always gets dumped. I am unlucky in love. That's me. I'm the one that always goes on disastrous dates. And then you make, you make it part of your identity. Almost as a way of kind of accepting it as, oh, that's just me, like can't expect anything different. Oh, you know, I always, you know, I attract drama, you know, I always gravitate to these things or these people always gravitate to me. We all know somebody that is always talking about their pain or their struggles or their suffering and then even when you're talking about something completely irrelevant, they somehow manage to bring it back to a painful thing that happened to them or how they were the victim of a scenario, the victim of a situation and like, woe is me, this is my life. We all know someone like that or we might even, you may even be that person, maybe. 
Pain should be like a springboard for you, not your identity. Your resilience and your growth should make up part of your identity, but not the pain and suffering. You don't want suffering to be your identity, okay? So really separate the two. I'm not saying that you should forget what happened to you. Absolutely not. But what I am saying is you should identify what happened to you, acknowledge where you were resilient and where you had growth and sever the ties being like, wow, that happened to me and that was the catalyst for me to change my life into who I am now. Okay, that is very different to saying, oh, my God, I went through so much pain. I went through so much pain and I'm now suffering and I can never get over it and I can't and my walls are up. You can't tell me to be vulnerable. I can't ever be vulnerable again. Notice the difference. Huge difference. One is stuck in their old life and the other, the first option is someone that's really severed the ties to their old life, taken the lessons from their old life and applied it to live a better new life. When you stay stuck in this loop of pain and finding comfort in that pain and finding comfort in this narrative that you retell again and again and again without trying to change anything about that narrative, you you genuinely become a victim to your own environment. You can't bloom in that environment. So here you are trying to change all these external things and you're saying, I'm going to go on this, um, you know, pro self-love right now. I'm going to start saying affirmations. I'm going to start exercising more often. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing that. But then I'm going to keep texting that really toxic person who treats me like shit all the time. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. You cannot try and become a new person and start implementing all these new things while you are still believing and living in your old self, in your old life. It doesn't work. And then you wonder why you feel so drained after trying to exercise all the time, trying to eat well, trying to meditate, trying to do this, and nothing's changing. Because you are not changing. You are stuck in this attachment to your pain. When you text someone that's cruel to you, you're attached to your pain, okay? When you continue this constant loop of blocking, unblocking, blocking, unblocking, you are attached to your pain. Don't be surprised and don't be upset with yourself and don't be hard on yourself when you think all this work on, on my self-improvement and I'm not, nothing's changing. You're not changing because you haven't changed your environment, okay? You have to change your environment if you want to see different results. I just, I've got like plants at home, right? And I'm trying to fucking get better. I'm, do, I'm doing it right. My fiddle leaf figs are killing it, right? But I had this peace lily. And this peace lily was in the smallest fucking pot you could ever imagine. And I bought it from Ikea and it was looking amazing. A tiny peace lily. But I kept it in that pot for about two years. And it would get new leaves. But then as it would grow new leaves, other leaves would be dying. You'd be growing, dying, growing, dying. And I'm like, fuck, what's going on? And then I'm like, oh my God, you idiot. You need to repot this fucking plant. So recently I repotted this plant. And I'm talking about, I probably repotted it about a month ago. It is already three times the size of what that fucking plant was for two years in this measly tiny little pot. It's already three times the size. Change the fucking environment and you will bloom. If you stay repeating the same beliefs, if you stay in these same pain loops, you will not grow. Don't be angry at yourself for that, but acknowledge it and do something about it, okay? This is not, I'm not saying this so you turn around and be like, oh my God, I've, I've self-sabotaged. No, everything serves as a lesson, but try and do something with that information. Now, number five, probably the biggest reason why we don't 
change and why we can't sever the ties to our old self is because we are addicted to our stress chemicals. So it keeps us in this loop and subconsciously we do not want to leave. Look at your brain chemicals. Your stress chemicals are also addictive just as feel-good chemicals like dopamine are, okay? It comes down to what you rely on and from a chemical standpoint and from a belief standpoint. And we struggle to break up with our addiction to cortisol. We get accustomed to these high levels of chronic stress, okay? So when you're releasing cortisol, there's two ways that you're going to release it. There's acute release, which is absolutely imperative and very helpful, right? It's when you're about to get on stage, when you're about to perform, when you need, when you're about to race. When you're, It actually gives you that extra push to nail what you're about to do your pupils fucking dilate, you're ready to act, whether it's to run from something or whether it's to face something head on, you know. That's cortisol, acute release of cortisol. And it's good for you. We need it. Then there's chronic, and this is all in my stress, how stress alters the brain podcast episode, if you want to really dive deep and haven't yet listened to that. But then there's chronic levels. And this is where you're always stressing, where you're always in, in unhealthy environments, where your sleep is really poor because you're overworked or you're burning out and you're in toxic relationships or you keep like feeding these negative loops all the time. That then is this chronic cortisol release. And you'll get your, your little spike of cortisol in the morning when you wake up to start the day and that normally drops all the way down. But when you've got um, chronic stress, that cord- the cortisol levels stay high, relatively high, and you become really accustomed to it. You get accustomed to that feeling of like this unnervy kind of feeling, this nervous energy in you. But when you've got these chronic levels, it's very toxic for the body. But then if you start doing something that's like, you know those people that are like, oh, I can't relax. I can't relax. Don't fucking, don't get me to a holiday where I'm just sitting in a chair. Fuck that, fuck that, fuck that. That's someone who's probably quite addicted to having high levels of chronic cortisol. We should all be able to sit down and chill the fuck out. And if you can't do that, then you probably likely are addicted to having high levels of cortisol, right? And then when it drops below that, you seek out things that are going to keep you in that stressed state because it feels normal. So you're going to keep thinking these thoughts on loop. You're going to overwork yourself. You're going to be doing things. You know those people that are always adding on more and more and more stresses in their lives? It's because they don't like when that cortisol kind of starts to drop down a little bit. They're like, oh, this feels eerie. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like me. It's an addiction. You become reliant on that feeling. And then when you get something that spikes your cortisol up again, you think, oh, yeah, like this is, this is, this is, you know, me, I can relate to this, I'm addicted to it. And as detrimental as it is for you, it's addictive. And additionally, you get another neurochemical or modulator called adrenaline or epinephrine. And that flows through you when you're really stressed and when you get into these stressful emotions or where you start thinking about things that have like real anxiety, like heartbreak or when someone's wronged you and you keep telling that story again and again and you get this spike of adrenaline. And you're on this high, this aroused state where all our attentional systems are all activated and primed and it feels weirdly good. And then if we don't feel this way, it feels weird or wrong, so we start seeking out more, we start telling that story again, we start reminding ourselves of this and we get this weird satisfaction from this kind of um, aroused, stressed state. And this could be through ruminating, overworking, gossiping, bitching, bickering with your partner, constantly reliving the pain of your heartbreak, talking about your problems repeatedly to anyone that's going to listen. And when they don't listen, talking to yourself in your head or out loud about these problems again and again and again. 
And if you're used to that, then it feels weird when you're not stressed, okay? It feels weird. This lack of substance feels like a drop below baseline, okay? The substance, the amount of cortisol becomes normal, like alcohol for an alcoholic, like nicotine for a smoker. The absence of the stimulus doesn't feel good. It feels like you're nervous, okay? And that is what's happening. So if you're addicted to stress, you will likely have physical symptoms as well, like fatigue, high blood pressure, poor sleep, anxiety, you're easily irritated, um, you eat more or you eat less than what you should, um, you get sick a lot easier, your immune system isn't quite up to scratch, you know, or you have other physical health issues arising, like you might have, you know, a rash that keeps, you know, that keeps showing up, or you might have all, like, uh, all these, like, weird ailments that start happening, where your body's just not working as it normally does, and that, are, those are symptoms of chronic stress, and another symptom is you can't fathom sitting in silence, always you're always pacifying any you know chance of boredom you're constantly in this state of like doing 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 and just sitting there just in silence trying to relax yourself is like the worst it sounds like the worst thing you could do with your time you know those people anyone a typical a typical person who's addicted to stress will say don't talk to me about meditating oh i'll go insane i'd go insane i hate the thought of just trying to calm down even for 10 minutes no no that's not for me, that's not for me, that's not for me. Of course it's not for you because it actually repulses you. It's not just this thing of like, oh, I might get bored. You actually cannot fathom how awful that would be because you would have such a drop below baseline of your cortisol and your adrenaline and all of that that you feel wrong. It feels wrong. But the ironic thing is people that stress all the time are actually not dealing with the root cause of the issue. They're just operating on this surface level, creating drama around the issue in their heads and they might think that they're addressing it, but they're not. They're not getting to the bottom of it and they're not closing that chapter or cracking it open and trying to fix the issue or acknowledging that there's no control that they have over it, so closing it for good and being like, there was nothing I could have done, it's done. No, they keep repeating it, repeating it, pulling things in and out, in and out. It's like a half-assed job, right? So they're never getting to the actual problem, yet they're thinking about the problem a thousand times more than someone that's like, right, I'm going to deal with this pain problem, I'm going to crack it open, I'm going to do something about it, and then I'm moving on. For them, it's the opposite. So when you're trying to create this new life for you, one of the main reasons why it hasn't worked for you so far is because you're trying to layer on new experiences and new aspects of your new self on top of the old you instead of replacing thoughts and behaviours and beliefs. You have to replace, don't layer, okay? I've got a good friend of mine and she's recently struggled with a breakup and she's got all these really destructive patterns of, you know, well, she'll block the person and then unblock them and then block the person and then unblock them and then she'll say, oh, I've, I've blocked him for good, I've blocked him for good. And then like two days later she was like, yeah, and then he messaged me and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You told me that you blocked him. She's like, well, no, well, no, we're talking again. And I said, so you actively unblocked him. She's like, well, no, because we were messaging on Instagram. And I'm like, so you didn't block him. You just wanted to um, trigger him or annoy him or whatever by blocking his phone. If you actually want to block someone, you block them across every platform, okay? Love you so much, but that's what you do if you want to block them. If you just block them on one thing and not on the other and you come up with all these excuses as to why you're not blocking them on the other, just don't bother blocking them. 
stop lying to yourself basically you know you're never going to block someone if you just block them on one thing and not another and then you go and unblock them three seconds later okay you're just trying to get a reaction from this person and if you're trying to get a reaction from this person then admit to yourself that you are doing very destructive behaviors for yourself and for the potential relationship or lack of a relationship or whatever you want to call that thing okay you have to if you want to grow in your life you have to become a bit more mature Okay, you have to admit to yourself when you're being immature and when you are being mature, when you've got wisdom and when you don't. If you are in a situation where you have a toxic relationship, for example, and you really want to enjoy your life, you really want to have some growth, you really finally want to be happy, you have to ask yourself, what do I actually want? Do I want to be with this person and be miserable? Or do I want to go through the pain right now, work it out and then close this chapter so I can actually be happy long term? What do I want? Because there's no right or wrong way. It's your fucking life. I'm not living it. You're living it. But you have to answer the question, what do I want? Because you might enjoy stress so much and you might enjoy these loops so much that you're willing to stay there. But if you continue saying to yourself, oh, you know, but maybe they meant this, maybe they meant that, maybe this, maybe that, no amount of self-love exercises is going to change you because your belief system is stuck in the past. What you are willing to accept and the loops that you continue to associate yourself with and these thought patterns and these destructive behaviors in and out of relationships aren't changing. So the old you prevails. This old belief system and old mentality prevails. You cannot change your life until you actually change your deep-seated beliefs. You cannot love yourself and think that all these things that you do are going to change how you feel and how you feel about yourself if you, on the other hand, are doing all these destructive beliefs that are saying, I am not worth it. I am willing to wait it out and see if this person who's clearly showing no real indication that I'm a priority, I'm just going to wait to see if they change their mind. You're saying, I do not respect myself whatsoever, but I'm pretending to superficially. That's what you're saying. So what is it going to be? You cannot have both. You cannot have both. You can't disrespect yourself on one hand and then turn around and say, but I really want to live a life that makes me happy. You have to have a death of the old self in order to truly break into the new self. And if you don't think you can do it, go back two episodes and listen to my your pain and discomfort is your key to living the life you want to have. If you're not willing to live through the pain, then it means that you're not willing to break into this 2.0 version of yourself. Okay? If you keep avoiding working through the pain, you will never change. Never. Okay, now what I'm going to talk about is what you can actually do, okay? What you, what you can, like things that you can put into practice to start, you know, creating a divide between the old you and the new you, which is like, which is a tailor-made, curated version that you have created and you have chosen to create. So certain things you can start doing today to help, you know, make that transition is Practice reducing attachment and you can start practicing reducing attachment in small things and once you get good at the small things, you then get good at the bigger things, okay? So, for example, you can start learning to have less attachment to being right. You don't have to change your mind but you don't have to convince someone um, of your point of view and you don't have to convince someone that you're right. It's just this sitting with it, knowing, being like, oh, 
I know I'm right, but I'm willing to just let this person believe what they want to believe and I'm going to believe what I'm going to believe, you know, and not get into this argument, okay? That's one of the ways of doing it. You're starting to release this need to be right, this need for this person to know that you were right. Or say you're having a discussion on something tiny. I'm not talking about major things that are going to impact your life long term with your partner, but say you're discussing this tiny thing. Like, I did drop that off. If your partner's saying, I dropped this off, you know, before breakfast, you're like, no, it was after breakfast. And you're going back and forth, back and forth. A little way of practicing releasing attachment is to be like, let's just end this conversation right now. Let's just move on from this because it's not going to change anything. And it's this letting go, okay? There are some people that get stuck in those loops and love to bicker and bicker and bicker. And that is an indicator that you might be too attached to your stress cycles, like to your stress loops. Another thing, start getting, start releasing attachment to items um, around your home, clothing, possessions, give things away. Um, and, and start making it things that you, you know, have more of an attachment to and see what it feels like. Can I actually let go of this? Can I get rid of this? Um, photos in your phone. Can you actually delete a bunch of things? Can you delete photos of, you know, your ex? I literally, not that you have to, I'm just saying, can you? You might have great memories and a really good relationship with your ex and you don't want to and that's fine. Whereas like people, I think a lot of people think that I'm weird that with certain exes of mine I have like no skerrick of evidence that we have dated because I fully have deleted it from my life. And people are like, yeah, well, it happened though. Why are you you deleting all of this? Why are you pretending it didn't happen or whatever? And it's not about pretending that it didn't happen, but it's about like clearing the air. What's done is done. If this person, if, if revisiting... Personally for me, if revisiting an image does not bring me joy or does not serve as a, as a really important, you know, tool, it's gone. I have no attachment, but it is fucking gone. I have no use to remind myself of a time where I was completely unhappy. No use for that. I've got my fucking memory for that. So I don't need that. So for me, I just be like, I'm not keeping any evidence of shit that makes me unhappy because what is the point? Why would I do that? You know, the only thing I keep evidence of is stuff that makes me smile, stuff that's probably educational, um, good memories or like beautiful, bittersweet memories with people that I love. And that's it. Anything that's boring, useless or a representation of old pain, I don't need. So I just get rid of. So can you do that? Can you go through your photos and think, I need, I'm just going to do a bit of a cleanse and see if I can release attachment to this. Can you delete like strings of messages from people that you used to be in a relationship with. That's a good way to sever your attachment from the past. You know, cull, get rid of, delete. The next thing, number two, is get really good at learning to embrace change in other people around you. So don't limit someone, don't get in the way of someone's change and more importantly, learn from those people. The more you can be around people that are there changing aspects of their life and trying to do this differently and trying to have different set of beliefs, the more you can be around that, the easier and the more believable it becomes for you. You want to encourage this in others and the more you do that, the better it is for you. Don't be one of those sad cunts that has to put a spanner in the work in the works and put out someone's flame. Ask yourself genuinely this, what kind of person are you? You're one of two. If a friend came to you and said, for example, oh, I'm really excited, I've just decided I'm going to start a swimwear brand. Would you say, there's two, there's two ways you could go. Would you say, but you don't have the experience, the market is saturated, it's such a big risk, 
How much money are you going to have to put down for that and can you even afford it? Why don't you do something that you actually know more about? You know, would you say those things where you're like dampening that fucking person's mood or would you say, that's awesome, that's really cool that you want to do that. What are your first steps? I'm so interested. What inspired you to do that? What would your brand be like? Would you, would you have questions that shut them down or questions that get them excited and get them opening up to you? What's it going to be? Sometimes you think you're doing someone a favor by shutting down their hopes and dreams, but you're actually not doing them a favor, okay? The more you do that to other people, the more you do it to yourself. If, if I listened to the fact that, you know, podcasting is saturated, then I probably wouldn't have started a podcast. If someone says to me, oh, do you reckon I should start a podcast even though it's saturated? I'm like, fuck yes, start the podcast. Fuck yes, start the podcast. Yeah, it's a saturated market. So, so what? So what? You're going to figure it out soon enough if it works for you or if it doesn't. You don't need to dampen someone's day by telling them in advance that it's not going to work when you actually don't know if it's not going to work for them. So don't be that person. And the better you can be at encouraging someone, especially if they're not hurting themselves, the better you can be at doing that, the better you're going to be at doing that for yourself. Change your beliefs on how you see other people risking something and that's going to change how you believe when you are going to risk something. And then number three, stop chasing comfort. Chase the unfamiliar. If something feels unfamiliar, you're onto something. It's new. It's growth. New things are happening and you've got new opportunities to make a different choice this time around, okay? Nothing new is going to come if you keep repeating old habits. If you just think positive thoughts, but you keep repeating the same beliefs and habits, then nothing's actually going to change. I'm all for thinking positive, positive thoughts, but you have to think these thoughts while detaching yourself from these old behaviors and these old habits and patterns, okay? Now, this is going to happen in stages. Obviously, for most people, you don't transform every aspect of your life overnight. But you can, you can start with different aspects at a time. Like you don't have to get a new job, think differently about yourself, start exercising every single, every single thing overnight, okay? But you can do it in stages. Like one thing is I'm not going to accept this anymore. Another thing is I'm going to really be working on this belief about myself. I'm going to be working on this aspect of my career. Are you capable of doing it all at once? all of it within a couple of days. Yes, you are. You actually are. You're capable of doing pretty incredible things. Is it likely? Well, it's just unlikely purely because you might not have seen it done around you. And often it's hard to do something if we don't see it modeled before us, right? And so if it doesn't, if we don't see it, we don't believe it. And if it doesn't reflect our belief systems about ourselves, then we don't actually action it. But all you have to do is surround yourself with stories or people or knowledge of people having these full transformations. If you want to transform overnight, you could want to transform over a couple of months or weeks or whatever. But anything is actually possible because it's all your belief systems that make it so. Your mind determines almost everything you do and everything you experience. So the rate of change and how you change and how quickly you change comes down to how attached you are to your old self and how hard it is to break that attachment to the old self. And I can guarantee you, ripping off the Band-Aid is a whole lot easier than slowly weaning yourself off. When you slowly wean yourself off these old behaviors, old patterns, then people question you. You have to explain yourself. You have to be like, oh, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. You're not trying anything. You are doing Okay, if you say, I'm just trying to stand up for myself now, so I'm going to do, no, no, stop explaining yourself, stop saying I'm trying, 
It's done. What's done is done. This is the new me, okay? This is how I'm going to respond to people. This is what I'm going to accept. This is what I'm not going to accept. Come with the come on the journey with me or don't. Do what you want. That's the new you. That's what you're going to be doing, okay? Rip the Band-Aid off. And if you can't rip the Band-Aid off, ask yourself, why am I still attached to the old self? Who do I think I'm hurting and why? And can I change my beliefs around that? Do I think I'm going to hurt myself and why? And can I change my beliefs around that? So often when people change their belief system around what they're going to accept, who they're going to be, what they're going to do with their life, disease disappears as well because that was part of their belief system. They were believing that they weren't deserving of this, that they were in this anxious loop, they were in this um, addiction to their cortisol and they're living a certain way. When they can cut the ties to that, they're going to stop associating themselves with their pain. They stop identifying with their pain. They leave the old self in the past. They break into their new self. A lot of their physical ailments disappear as well. And if you're scared of the unpredictable, that's normal. You should be like, okay, this is good. This is normal. I should be scared. I should be feeling this different feeling. I want different, okay? You want to find something that feels weird, a little bit scary, a little bit intimidating and different. Stop chasing the predictable, okay? We like predictable because it's safe. It represents what we know. It represents stability. And this need for stability keeps us in really, really bad places in our lives. The reason it's hard to make these transformations is because part of your old self is dying and you need to mourn it. Mourn it being like, I'm never returning to this. I'm never going to return to these loops and these behaviors and these patterns. It's hard to rip the Band-Aid, but I'm ripping the Band-Aid and acknowledge it. Acknowledge it, okay? The longer you stay attached to your old self, the longer it's going to take to change. You could do all these superficial adjustments. You could get a fucking facelift. You could do all this shit, but nothing will change if you don't change your beliefs around who you are, what you are capable of achieving and what you are deserving of. That is the root of your true transformation, of your true change. Your belief system is so strong. The chemical changes that occur in your brain can be so powerful that you can think yourself into a new reality, just like you can think yourself into a disease, okay? The mind is so powerful, but it's so powerful that it can keep us in a life that we don't actually want and trick us into thinking that that is the best option. You trick yourself every day into thinking that staying in these toxic loops, going back to this person that's disrespected you a million times is the best option. You are... Your brain is lying to you saying, this is as good as it's going to get. What a joke. Imagine. And you can turn that around. The mind is as powerful as you let it be. And your mind does exactly what you tell it to do. But the only way to tell it what to do is through discipline and through consistency. Okay? So you can't say, I'm going to start believing this way and thinking this way and then turn around and and engage in self-sabotaging behaviors. Because then your mind's like, oh, well, look hello, we've just gone back to what we, what we know, so we're just going to keep doing that, okay? So you've got to say to yourself, if I want change, I've got to tell my brain I want change. And by doing that, I have to be consistent and I have to show up and I have to be disciplined, okay? And I've got all these podcasts on a discipline mind. 
like I've said a million times, every day you can hit that reset button. Every day you can try again. doesn't matter how many times you fall. Every day is a fresh start. Every hour is a fresh start. You can end this episode right now in a couple of minutes. You could end it and say, this is the fucking reset button. I'm hitting the reset button and I'm going to change these behaviors about my life and I'm going to make it stick this time. And if it doesn't stick, tomorrow you start again. But just acknowledge that in order to change, your old self must die. Bon fucking voyage, old self. It is gone. If you want to step into the new, you have to get rid of the old. You can't be bouncing between the two because if you're bouncing between the two, you're essentially staying with the old. That's what you're telling yourself. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Love you guys so much. As always, remember, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brains, don't take shit from anyone and especially do not take shit from yourself. Danke.